From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, the country's ongoing trade war with China is keeping some Vermont business owners on their toes. On Tuesday, the president announced a tentative deal that would delay new tariffs on Chinese imports in exchange for China spending more on U.S. agricultural goods. But previous tariffs are still in place. And by one estimate, the administration's approach is costing Vermont businesses about half a billion dollars this year. You know, we pride ourselves on, on everything we buy is made in USA. Um, and that's been our marketing stitch from day one. This is Ben Clark. He runs Ann Clark Cookie Cutters in Rutland. You might have guessed from the name, they make cookie cutters, about four and a half million of them a year. And they use just one kind of material, steel. The tariffs were disappointing because when they put this tariff on steel, we talked about it with our steel manufacturers, and sure enough, it's come true. When the 20% tariff went through, all the U.S. steel manufacturers raised their price 17%. So we're buying U.S. steel like we always have, but our price has gone up 17%, and supply has gotten a little bit tighter. Are there times when you can't get all the steel that you need? Um, we, we have not run out, but it was close. And if it runs out of steel, we're shut down, right? Because everything we make is out of steel. So if we run out of steel, we're done. Ben said there aren't many cookie cutter companies in the U.S. In fact, most of his competitors are Chinese manufacturers. But because those companies have more control over what people are willing to pay for cookie cutters, he can't just pass the cost of more expensive steel onto his customers. It's disappointing that we make our product here, yet we have to eat a pretty decent price increase. Mm-hmm. You know, then people say, well, just we should just raise our price. The reality is our prices are set based on what Chinese suppliers are selling their cookie cutters. So the price we sell our cookie cutters at is pretty fixed. Right. So when we have a cost increase, we just have to eat it. Ben is expecting this year's pricing shifts to cost him an additional $50,000. That's not catastrophic, but for a small manufacturer, it's not nothing. At the end of the day, whatever happens is going to happen. You know, I don't think it's going to put us out of business. I think it's just a question of how much of our profit are they going to take? You know, how much less money can we reinvest in stuff next year? Mm -hmm. You know, I've thought about calling our, you know, congressmen, et cetera, but they already know the deal. We're not going to we're not going to move a lot being a cookie cutter manufacturer. A lot of it's just following the whole political game that's going on. And ultimately, there's very little I can do about it. Got it. And when I say very little, I mean nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Trade is such a big issue nationally. I mean, there's so much news happening about it that I assumed it would be something that businesses were watching because so many Vermont companies are exporting. Our business reporter, Ann Wallace-Allen, has been reporting all year on the trade war's effects on Vermont businesses. In fact, Vermont actually has a higher proportion of exports as a proportion of its GDP than other states, although most of that is just because of global foundries, you know, the chip plant and Essex Junction. Yeah. You've gone and talked to companies and business owners around the state and asked them about trade, among many other topics. Just generally, what kind of feedback do you hear from them? 
I have been sort of surprised because I have been asking about trade, expecting it to be a bigger issue for them. A lot of the companies I talk to, first of all, say we only sell in the U.S. We just haven't taken the extra step, the investment necessary to expand our trade to borders beyond the U.S. or North America. So that's one thing I'm surprised to hear. A lot of the people I ask say to me, and I hear this repeatedly, what business needs is a consistent environment. Whatever the policy ends up being on trade and whatever our trade relationship ends up being with a big partner like China, we would just like it not to be awoken in the morning by a new tweet saying that something has changed or something might change. They just want consistency. So it's not the tariffs themselves in a lot of ways. It's the way that this administration has gone about negotiating them. Right. I mean, it's as with so many policy issues, even beyond this administration and even on a state level, businesses say the most important thing that we can have is consistency. And that's just because they're trying to budget out their expenses and their revenue right. for now and for years ahead. They're trying to make investments in the future, whether it's people or capital investments, and they need to know well, what are the forces going to be pressing down on us next year or next month for that matter. The biggest challenge that people are having is the, the impact that the tariffs have on the consistency of their international supply chain as it relates to their pricing, their timing, the duties that they're paying, and how that affects their costing and what they can pass on to their clients. So you have talked to this customs broker here in Vermont. What exactly do they do and what gives them a unique perspective on this? They're the largest privately owned customs broker in the country, A.N. Derringer. They're up in St. Albans, about 15 miles from the Canadian border. Derringer consistently focuses on customs compliance by staying informed of changing regulations. They've been there for several decades. They started as a, a hay broker. And so this was a major rail hub. St. Albans at that point was known as a rail city. We were here because of the rail and the proximity to the Port of Montreal, which was the, the largest hay and grain port in the world at that time 100 years ago. So Wow. And now the third generation of the family is running the company. Jake Holtscheider, he's the CEO. He's been there his entire working life. And he was a good person to talk to about the impact of the tariffs because they're the ones who are responsible for actually helping people with the paperwork to get their trucks across the border or onto the planes. So we handle everything you can think of from... You know, oil tankers to textiles to sporting goods to food, agricultural commodities. Uh, we handle pretty much everything that you can think of. Just generally, what did he tell you about it? He said his customers are resigned to the fact that they're going to have to absorb additional tariffs in their own costs. They're not passing, for the most part, not passing them on to their clients, but it's just another cost of doing business. And he was one of the people who just reiterated to me that one of them, they don't really have much of a stake in what happens as much as they do in looking for consistency. Unfortunately, I think weeks like this week where there's a lot of hype about trade talks, People are aware of it, but I also think people are becoming a bit numb to uh, expect much or see significant progress because the changes in policy seem to come so rapidly and randomly. I'm not sure that anybody really has a firm expectation anymore over what to expect. I think everyone did their best wearing out their crystal balls trying to forecast what was going to happen, and everybody is getting it wrong. (laughs) He said the biggest impact on them is just not knowing what's going to happen, you know, in the next month or six months. You know, a year and a half ago, when the, the tariffs started hitting, it was one group of products at one tariff rate. A few months later, it was more products at a different tariff rate. 
a couple months after that, a, a whole other list of products and different tariff rates. So at first it's 10 and then is it 15 and then does it go to 25? And then the government starts issuing other things like exclusions where you can apply to be exempt and you don't know whether you're going to get your exemptions and they take a while. And so it's really impacting our clients' abilities to source uh, raw materials and finished goods, uh, especially out of China, because they can't forecast what their costs are going to be. So it's this frustration over what is my supply chain going to be and how unreliable it is from a costing and pricing and policy perspective. President Trump has said his motivation in being tough on trade is to bring manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. But Jake told us that's not what he's seen from the companies he works with. It's forcing many companies to, if they can, they're all trying to, I shouldn't say all, but most are trying to determine if they can leave China. Hmm. And a lot of them are looking at Vietnam. They're just deciding that that long-term from a business practice, they can't plan and establish pricing and their own competitiveness and profitability in a market that is unstable for them. So if they can change, they're changing or they're working on it. Many of them already have. You know, many saw the increasing trade tensions before this even happened Hmm. and began you know, hedging their bets and not sourcing everything in China. And so that's happening in a very large scale. I've seen very little where the sourcing was changed back to domestic U.S. Most of them are looking for new places to source their product. New places overseas specifically. Yeah, yeah, overseas and especially in, in Vietnam. Got it. I'm curious, you know, with your company having this historical perspective, How is this administration's approach to this different from previous U.S. policy, and how is it maybe not so different? I think the primary difference is that you have an administration that's willing to be the bad guy Hmm. and take all the heat on the shoulders. I think a lot of the trade tensions, to be honest, have been, at least recently, uh, not as politically divisive. You even see... The other party, in particular, you know, Chuck Schumer and even Bernie Sanders have have been very supportive of Trump being tough on China. And I think there's some consistency in both parties that something needs to be done to kind of rein them in. And I think that that feeling is felt globally, to be honest. Mm -hmm. But I don't think we had uh, prior administrations that were willing to be so tough and unpredictable. You know, the manner that a lot of the policies are, are being communicated via, via tweet is, I think, uh, very troublesome to everybody. But I think from a political side, I'm not sure that even if there was a change in administration in the next election, that you're going to see a lot of this stuff go away. Jake said this doesn't just cut across political lines. It's a trend that goes beyond the United States. You know, from a historical perspective, uh, for 
the last five years or so, there's there has been a shift towards increased protectionism globally. There was a large trend for probably the 20 years before that, 20, 25 years before that, where, you know, those barriers were going down. There was a lot of talk about open borders, free trade for all. And I think that there's been a shift in that. And I think it's going to be around for a while. Like everything, it's cyclical. So how long it lasts, I don't know. But it's not just the U.S. that is becoming more more protectionist, I think, in their trade policy. But even just last week, they announced tariffs with the EU, you know, and they had the support of the World Trade Organization behind this. So we've been talking about China a lot, but now now it's also shifting to Europe, where there's going to be a 10% duties on large civil aircraft. And they're also hitting a lot of Europeans' most iconic uh, food and beverages with 25% duty, things like Irish and Scotch whiskey, French wines, Spanish olives, German and British hand tools. This is all kind of new policy that comes up very rapidly now where the industry used to have a long time to plan and adjust when some of this stuff would happen. But I think it's going to be the new norm for a while. I'm curious, does it affect the way you all do business? Does it change your strategy at all? Oh, it has a very significant impact on us. Our, our role is in the in the most simple fashion on the custom side is is to make sure that our customers are paying the proper duties and taxes and fees and following all the laws that relate to importing goods. So as soon as these tariffs uh, hit or there's a tweet that goes out. We're working hard to team with our clients to help them assess what does this mean to them? How much is it going to cost them next year? Can they manufacture the goods differently to avoid the duties? Can they buy the goods differently to reduce their duty burden? It becomes a process where you know, our clients have to find those funds now. Right. It cost our clients this year estimated over $500 million more in duties out of China than just the prior year. It's going to be even more next year as these next tariff drops go. And so it's a very significant impact to our clients. It's just not money people can absorb. I know that a lot of people mention steel prices to me as something that's affecting them immediately. Other than that, I haven't really heard from a, a wish list from business owners on what they'd like to see. Got it. It's just too early to tell, or it's just too like nebulous. There's too much going on. I mean, Vermont's largest trading partners are Canada, which is, you know, relatively stable, all things considered, and Hong Kong and China. And there's a lot going on in Hong Kong and China. I mean, where does that leave business owners here? Do they just have to kind of wait it out? Or is there anything that they can do in the meantime? I have asked people repeatedly if they have gotten in touch with their representatives or if they're lobbying or if they're asking, you know, for greater clarity. And a lot of the business, the big companies that I've talked to, they might have an association that's lobbying, but most of them are just focusing on the day-to-day challenges of their businesses. And, you know, mostly it's about hiring and things like that. They're not getting involved in the in the trade talks yeah. or in federal in national policy. They're just kind of adjusting their... Uh, right. They're just adjusting to, to the, condi- the work and conditions around them. Got it. Well, thanks, Anne. Thank you, Mike. You can find all of Anne Wallace-Allen's reporting on Vermont businesses at vtdigger.org. Anne also writes a series called Making It in Vermont. Every two weeks, she profiles a Vermont manufacturer, looks at what they're doing in their market, and why they're doing it here. 
One of those stories was about Ann Clark Cookie Cutters, the company we talked about up top. We also made a fun video about how cookie cutters get made. You can check those out at vtdigger.org. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. We have new episodes every Friday. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger newsroom. Have a nice weekend.